My name is Dave Valentikonis, North American Tactical Services Manager here at Seaman, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to a special episode of our corporate podcast, Network Connections, the podcast about ICT networks presented by Seaman. Today on our show, I am pleased to be joined by the author of Seaman's newest white paper, Preparing for Wi-Fi 6E, Cabling Considerations for High-Efficiency Wireless Access Point Connections, our very own distinguished engineer, Valerie McGuire. How are you today, Val? Dave, I'm really uh, just amazed by that meticulously perfect introduction you've given me. I'm super excited to be in a podcast, and uh, I hope I don't uh, let anyone down with dumb things that I might say. <laughs> no, that's that's my <laughs> job. I will take care of all the dumb things. You can just do what you do, which is always good stuff. Um, so the white paper we're going to be talking about today is just is one of many that you've authored. You've done so many during your time here with Seaman. So I feel compelled to also call attention that you've authored so many, but also the fact that you recently celebrated your 25th anniversary at the company. Now that's a that's a quarter of a century, and it really is quite an accomplishment. So I just really want to take a moment to congratulate you on on such a really an incredible milestone. Dave, thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm very proud to have been here for a quarter of a century and contributed so much. But, you know, you, you set me up here to uh, to to give you a, a right back at you because, <laughs> Dave, you just celebrated your 25 year anniversary. So between the two of us, I think we're the best looking 50 years of experience I've ever seen in the ICT <laughs> cabling industry. That's why I have a face for podcasting. So I'm going to agree with you on that 100%. On wait, that wait, one. Dave, with, with your face and my hair, we can do anything. <laughs> we can take over the world. We can certainly, and the, the Wi-Fi will be the least of our concerns if we match the two of those things together. No doubt about that. Um, so we mentioned earlier, you got this great white paper out there. Uh, it's a new revision of our existing Wi-Fi white paper. So what are the significant differences between this version and the last? Okay, the difference is, is extremely significant, and uh, it all revolves around an action that took place on April 23rd by the Federal Communication Commission here in the United States. And uh, believe it or not, I was super excited about this. I was afraid due to quarantine, maybe this meeting wouldn't take place, but it, but it did. And the FCC made a landmark decision. Essentially, what they did was they took a small portion of the available spectrum at the six gigahertz band, and they opened it up for unlicensed use. And Wi-Fi is now able to transmit in that portion of that spectrum. Opening that spectrum increases the, the total capacity currently available by six times. So all of a sudden we have all this opportunity to transmit wirelessly in an uncongested space. And the implications for cabling uplinks and providing a, a pipeline to be able to support this increased capacity is actually really exciting. In, in my view, really, this change, it potentially could be the killer application for 10G base T that we've all been waiting for. It opens the door for transmission speeds that could be as high as 20 gigabit per second when the Wi-Fi 7 standard is approved. Yeah, that, well, that's, I mean, that's great. No one's going to complain about getting better Wi-Fi, right? There's no doubt about that. It's going to be an exciting development for the market. Now, you know, you've been leading this, right? We've been recommending two category six day drops for every wireless access point for, for really quite a while, for years now. Um, 
What, do you think the standards have caught up to that position? Yeah, it's really something how much of a leader the Siemens company has been in providing these recommendations. You know, it's really important to us that when we provide guidance to our customers, we're providing guidance on an infrastructure that's going to support multiple generations of equipment, right? We want to be able to support Wi-Fi 5 and Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 7. And two 6A drops or two 6A or higher performing drops will absolutely do that. But it wasn't until this year when TIA published their 568.0 and 568.1 standards that they finally caught up with the recommendations that us experts here of Siemen have been sharing with our customers for years now. Agreed. I, I, and I think that's that's great advice. Honestly, it, it, I've seen customers, no, the, the market has really kind of embraced that now. I don't find a lot of resistance to proposing that, especially whether it's two and a half or 5G based T category six still being the minimum required for absolute worst case scenario. So that's, that's great. We'll continue to, to trumpet that up. Um, now, you know, Wi-Fi 6 is, is really not that old and we're already up to Wi-Fi 6E. So the technology is really evolving pretty rapidly. So do, do you think users should or would consider holding off upgrading their existing Wi-Fi 5 until Wi-Fi 7 is out? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I get asked that quite a bit. And you absolutely should not hold off upgrading to Wi-Fi 6. Uh, while Wi-Fi 7 is on the horizon, the target publication date is May of 2024 um, because by the time we publish, actually the technical features are locked in. It's quite likely we'll see equipment even earlier, but there's no way that enterprise customers are going to be able to support the rapidly increasing number of devices that are appearing on their Wi-Fi network if they don't upgrade to Wi-Fi 6 or 6E in the next year. Uh, there was an interesting there was some interesting data that was recently put out by Cisco, and it showed that 25% of enterprise users are installing Wi-Fi 6 today, uh, and within two years, that's going to be 50% of the enterprise users. So to answer your question, you cannot afford to delay upgrading to Wi-Fi 6E, but have a cabling infrastructure in place that's ready to support Wi-Fi 7 when that time comes. That's fantastic. That's great advice. And I think people are so hungry for more bandwidth now that, that, that plenty of them are probably going to make this leap and then are just going to be equally happy when Wi-Fi 7 comes out for the next generation of speeds and capabilities that are out there. So thank you for all that uh, great insight, Val. It really is uh, tremendous and, and really excellent work on the white paper. Now, before we go, there are a few questions that we like to do that, that some coworkers oh. sent in for you to answer. So it's a okay lightning round. I'd love to ask this you them. This is what I feared the most. The first question that comes to mind oh, is going to be real boy. simple. We got easy <clears> questions <throat> for you. Nothing that I think you'll have to worry about. Okay. Are you ready? I, I think so. I think so. Okay, here we go. Uh, now you've you, you're in a global support role and have a lot of involvement with industry standards. So you've you've traveled the world pretty extensively. Where's the best airport to spend the layover? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, let's let's get down to basics, Dave. Here, you, you know me. We've we've been working together now for for decades, and I'm I'm pretty food motivated. I think <laughs> I think everyone at the Siemens company knows that if they want anything from me, the best way to do that is promised me a lobster roll from Frankie's. Frankie's, yep. Yep, and uh, Jen Overbaugh and, and I think all of tech support know that um, a Bavarian cream donut from Dunkin' Donuts is a good way to keep me happy too. So, you know, airports are really awful. 
but if there's something close to a lobster roll and there's a Dunkin' Donuts, I think I could survive for a little bit. So um, th- that gives me two airports, I think. Uh, I think the Philly airport is actually, I-, I could I could live there for about 30 days. There's illegal seafoods and there's a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> and I could actually move into the Boston airport. Uh, there there's everything go. I need there. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but yeah, the the ability of the availability of terrific food is is really gonna gonna drive me to the that those particular answers to the lightning round. I think you've done all this travel. What what's the most interesting meal you've had? Oh man, that's a that's a great question because again, I love food. Um, I've traveled with many of the teams, and I emphasize to them that that I am not, I'm the exact opposite of you, Dave. So I wanna what? eat locally. <laughs> I yeah. like to eat where families eat. I, I like local food, but the, so, so I've had wonderful, wonderful, amazing meals. I've had very few that, um, that I actually didn't care for. But the question was, what's most interesting? So I'm buying yeah. time here to come up with an answer. I think I've come <laughs> up with the answer. So okay. interesting uh, would imply danger, would you agree? I would absolutely be one of the criteria okay. for me, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. So, so if it's going to be interesting, it has to be, you know, exciting and maybe a little bit dangerous. And I, I think the answer would be um, the most interesting food I ever had. I, I had um, fugu fish, which is poisonous uh, puffer fish in Japan um, with Hank Seaman. <laughs> That's probably my most interesting meal. That sounds pretty right. And it sounds like a far cry from a lobster roll at Frankie's, no doubt about that. You're you're a braver eater than I am, but I would definitely say that checks the box for a most interesting meal. It was so. interesting. I would tell you, I, I might not do it again. Uh, it wasn't, you know, amazing, but, but it is a box. You know, not everybody gets to say they've eaten poisonous puffer fish before. Yeah, I'm not even dead, and I'll be able to check that box, and that's going to stay <laughs> check. So no worries there. But I'm glad there's people like you that are willing to make those those tries. So that's that's a great answer. That's certainly an interesting one, and, and one that I'm sure people are going to have questions for you when they see you next, no doubt. But I, I saved of the course. last. I saved the best one for last, and it's a real simple one because I know you have some allegiances uh, with your with your history of of these two great quarterbacks. But it's Uh-oh. it's the fourth quarter. Your team's down six points with two minutes to go. Who's under center? Tom Brady, uh, Tom Brady, the Patriot, by the way, or Peyton Manning? You know, that's, that's, oh, Dave, you know, I'm an engineer, right? So my attention <laughs> to detail is, is really, really good. You're going to go at so this you, logically. You failed to provide me one really important piece of information. Am I up against Eli Manning or not? Oh, God, you really had to bring that one up? I will just say no, and then I can give you the answer. All right, we'll assume the question is Eli is still retired. We'll we'll assume that. So, yeah, if Eli is still retired, my answer is I always go with the guy, the 199th round draft pick with the chip on the shoulder who has six Super Bowl rings and says his favorite is the next one. All right. I like I like the way you're thinking on that. But if it's up against Eli, I'll give you the Peyton Manning would probably be a good choice there. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, we'd have to defer to Peyton. <laughs> All right, fair enough. You know, Brady does deserve one more chance against Eli. Yeah, I don't think that's unfortunate. We're going to see that. a lightning round. <laughs> Unless Eli comes back from retirement, but we'll see how that goes. But that's all we got for the lightning round, Val. It was pretty easy. You survived. So great job. Thanks for being a good sport about these questions. And thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's lovely to be with you, Dave. I hope everybody had a good time. 
That wraps up today's episode of Network Connections presented by Seaman. Thanks for listening and thank you, Val, for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to the Seaman Company YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. Future episodes will continue to feature Seaman experts that will deliver valuable insight to the ICT industry. From all of us here at Seaman, we hope you and your family are staying healthy and safe. See you next time. Thank you.